Hello and welcome to our seventh episode of Word of Mouth, a podcast all about evangelization for evangelists and also just people that are seeking to grow more in their Catholic faith, to know more about our faith, and to know how to spread it with other people. Today we're coming to you on the feast of our patron saint, St. Louis, the King of France, and I'm with a wonderful guest in the studio today, Ben Crapu. Ben, how are you doing? Doing well today. How are you? Good, good. And Ben comes to us from SLU University. I just wanted to remind everyone, before we get Ben started with his interview today, and you get to hear his story and his thoughts and reflections, just a reminder that if you don't want to miss an episode of our Word of Mouth podcast or any other podcast produced by our Archdiocese of St. Louis, including the Catholic Gateway podcast, make sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Stitcher or any other podcast app. Just search for the Archdiocese of St. Louis to find us, and you can feel free to rate us and share us with your friends. It's just a great way for us to evangelize and to continue to spread the Word of God with other people. And so, again, this is Word of Mouth Podcast, and this is our seventh episode coming to you with our guest Ben today. And so, as we talk with Ben, uh, we're just going to start by learning a little bit about his faith journey. And so, Ben, we just ask you if you could give us just a little summary of your journey of life so far as you've encountered the Lord, and just to maybe explain a couple ways that you've encountered Jesus in your life. Yeah, so my faith really began back in seventh grade. I went on my first retreat called Luke 18 with St. Catherine Labaret, and really their youth ministry program has been a great help for me, because before that retreat, I really didn't like Mass. I hated going. It was really boring for me. I guess it's the typical kid response is, like, I just didn't enjoy Mass, and that was what I was forced to do every Sunday. My mom always took me to mass and that was the only thing I ever did for my faith uh, before second or before seventh grade. So uh, after this retreat I just started realizing that maybe mass is a little bit more important and I started enjoying it a little bit more. Later that year my mom asked me, hey have you ever thought about being a priest? I was like no I haven't. I guess I'll do it. So that was kind of like when my story started uh, was when my mom asked me that question because that was what really inspired me to keep working in my faith is this idea of the priesthood and how exciting that was. So then the next year, I went back to that same retreat, uh, my eighth grade year, and that was a huge opportunity for me because I'd already opened up to the Lord. I'd already kind of led him in my life. I went on this retreat, was just kind of on fire after that retreat. I guess it was like any other retreat, you know, that retreat high afterwards. Going into that summer, I went on my first high school retreat. That's when Michael here introduced me to the Liturgy of the Hours, and that was a huge help in my faith especially starting out because a lot of times since I wasn't really experienced in prayer because I never really prayed at home before, I was given some words to say and I was given, you know, something to do with my prayer life. So um, that was a huge part of my life throughout that next year. And then starting out my sophomore year, I really got into adoration and I started going to going before the Blessed Sacrament uh, more often. And I have my friend Rachel to thank for that. Just a quick shout out. I just saw like the importance of the Eucharist. I think that really reflected itself like my junior and my senior year because I started going to daily mass and that was a huge part of my life. I think that was probably one of the most important things in my life at that moment was just continually receiving the Lord um, in such a real way. And then another big thing for me was my junior year, I started praying a daily rosary. I just loved our mother, Mary. That's another theme that like really hit hard my freshman year of college was just laying my life down for Mary. It's like huge things during college were daily mass, um, like a daily rosary, regular confession. I cannot say enough about regular confession. That was like a huge thing and is still a huge thing in my prayer life that I really advocate for. But especially at the end of my freshman year, I 
did a Marian consecration. And then over the summer, I did another consecration. Just all this, all these Marian teachings were just like inspiring to me. And I've just really fell in love with our mother. I guess that's kind of my story because that's where we're at right now. I just finished my freshman year. Yeah, that's that's beautiful. Yeah, just talking about uh, devotion to Our Lady, which we'll cover certainly later in our catechesis today, just to understand the Mother of God a little bit more and to foster a deeper interior devotion to her and all the ways that she aids us and prays for us as we journey here on earth. Ben, I just want to ask one quick clarification question before we move forward with the next question, but just how would you describe the Liturgy of the Hours that you mentioned to maybe somebody who's not as familiar with them um, as you are? Yeah, so the Liturgy of the Hours, as is prayed now, is five different prayers throughout the day. It's the prayer of the Church, so like uh, priests are required to pray it, all religious are required to pray it some way. The laity is encouraged to pray it as well, especially people in formation for religious life and the priesthood, but anyone in the laity can pray it. So there's five prayers throughout the day are the office readings, which can be prayed at any time, morning prayer, daytime prayer, evening prayer, and night prayer. Awesome. Yeah, and it's just a great way to pray the Psalms that our Lord prayed and to be immersed more in the Word of God, to really be in touch with the Lord and to give Him time in the day uh, as we as we continue at each moment of our lives and in our, in our busy days to remember the Lord's presence, to ask His mercy, to ask His guidance, to ask for His wisdom in our daily lives. And so there's so many Psalms that we can pray in the Liturgy of the Hours that really speak to the human heart and guide us deeper into prayer. And so the Liturgy of the Hours is one of the things, many things that Ben mentioned that are good ways to kind of foster an interior life and to encounter our Lord anew. So the next question for you, Ben, is just a pretty deep question that uh, we often ask the guests here, but it's just the question of what do you feel is your mission in life or what, what goals do you have? What dreams do you have for your life? So I guess the more like overarching, like more serious goal that I have is I'm hoping to get an application for the Jesuits. So I hope to enter next year. They let me in. My goal as a Jesuit is I'd love to be a Jesuit priest in Europe. I'd love to just travel between parishes and help like reform the church at a parish level. I'd love to sit in on like religion classes. I'd love to teach at all ages, especially like the young adults and like people in the age range of like 20 to 40. I feel like that's like an age range that has been widely disregarded uh, in our faith. I think an argument can be made that they're the most important age group because they're the ones teaching our youth. They're the ones that have our like our youth in the home and are the ones that encounter them the most in their daily life. I guess as a lighter goal, I'd love to learn how to play the organ. Uh, Hmm. It's something that I've kind of always wanted to do. I'm hoping I get that opportunity this semester. And then I'd love to learn some more languages. So right now I know Spanish for the most part. And I know a little bit of Italian and French. So I want to get those down. And I want to learn Portuguese. And I know a little bit of Latin. I'd love to finish learning that. So Sure. Yeah. What blessings and challenges have you experienced in your life thus far, Ben? I think my blessings have definitely been the accountability that I've had over the years um, in the spiritual life. So just having great, solid Catholic friends, especially in high school and throughout this past year of college, because uh, that was what really introduced me to the faith was like strong, people who were strong in their faith. And then all throughout high school, being having people to talk to who challenge me in my faith, make sure that I'm continuing to go to daily mass, continuing to like be active in my faith, always checking up on me to make sure I'm like going to youth group or something like that. And then this past year, especially, I had friends who really challenged me intellectually, who challenged me to learn more about my faith and 
uh, who still continued to challenge me, like in my interior life, making sure that I was being active in my faith and participating still. And then some challenges that I've faced has definitely been my family life. So just like coming off retreats, stuff like that, and, and I guess coming home from school, it's been hard to bring the faith home uh, because it was never really there. I love my mom, and she does a great job of bringing me to Mass and making sure that we're participating uh, every week. But I never really saw the faith at home, partly because my dad isn't as involved in the faith. So I guess that was always a difficulty for me was bringing the faith home and being active while I was at home and continuing to foster like a great faith life while I was there. Yeah, it's a very common point that you make just about this study that I was reading lately, and it's just been replicated several different times in different articles and journals that just show the the impact of a father's spirituality on his children's faith as, as they continue to progress through life and just how the father as a spiritual head of the household can be so effective in raising children that practice their faith and that really know the Lord um, and really have a place for Jesus in their heart and continue to practice their faith, to continue to foster that interior connection with our God and to express it in good works and works of charity and service work and other uh, avenues for just growth in that area of charity. And so it, it's just important. It's a, an important challenge that you bring up that our world faces today a lot as well, just f- for parents to uh, work together to raise children well in the Catholic faith. And finally, Ben, I just want to ask you in your own words how you would explain what evangelization is to someone who would ask you, what is, what is evangelization? What does that term mean? To me, I think evangelization is just bringing the faith to others, whether they're Catholic or non-Catholic, because everyone is in need of conversion in some way. I think for me, some of the most important evangelization is making Catholics better Catholics, because what we experience a lot in our world today is that we have, like in numbers, tons of Catholics. So in our world today, we see few Catholics really participating and really doing things around the parish. And we can see that in uh, the numbers of service hours, amount of money donated, what proportion of people are doing those kinds of things. Like it's less than 10% a lot of the times of Catholics in a parish who are really doing all of the work. And so I think what we need to focus on is making all Catholics better Catholics because like that's where our faith is rooted. And that's where people learn about the faith is they see joyful people who are living the faith and they desire that for themselves. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's beautiful. Yeah. I think one of the things that our Pope has done well is to show us just the awesomeness and joy of Catholicism. And I think it's very important for us to realize that we have a treasure. And one of my favorite parables that Jesus uses in the Gospels are, are the parable of the, of the man who f- discovers the treasure in the field and then he buries it. And, and he does everything he can to buy that field. And so he sells all that he has, and he buys the field that has that pearl of greatest price. And, and just how awesome and how invaluable and how precious our faith is. It's a treasure that, that must be shared with other people and that it's worth everything. And that it's, it's just, it's invaluable for us. And so it's beautiful for us to remember that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life for us, and that he has given us the joy of the gospel as the apostolic exhortation of our Holy Father is titled. And it's just a great reminder of how we can spread our faith in joyful ways and show the glory of being Catholic and how how wonderful it is for us and what a blessing that is. And so like I mentioned earlier, Ben was talking about 
devotion to Our Lady. And so that's what we'll use for the catechesis of this section today, just devotion to Mary, the Mother of God. And we have several paragraphs from the catechism to look at, as well as a couple quotes from the saints, and then Ben will add his closing thoughts as well to this topic of devotion to Our Lady. And so we begin at paragraph 964 in the catechism that describes Mary, and it reads, There she stood, in keeping with the divine plan, enduring with her only begotten Son the intensity of his suffering, joining herself with his sacrifice in her mother's heart, and lovingly consenting to the immolation of this victim born of her, to be given by the same Christ Jesus dying on the cross as a mother to his disciple, when Jesus said, Woman, behold your Son to Mary, as John the Apostle stood at the foot of the cross as well. And so I think one of the reasons that it's so important for us to honor Mary is because she united her suffering with Christ all the time. And so she teaches us the meaning of redemptive suffering, and also she does it to the extreme in the sense that she suffered with Christ at every moment, being his mother and knowing the trials that he would face, and just that compassion and empathy that she had, knowing his suffering all too well, and not shying away from it herself, but going with him to the cross and standing by him in in his suffering. And later, after Jesus' ascension into heaven, Mary helped the beginnings of the church by her prayers. And in her association with the apostles and several women of the early church, we also see her standing by with her prayers, imploring the gift of the Holy Spirit, who had overshadowed her in the Annunciation. So tradition tells us as well in the church that Mary stood by the apostles as they awaited the promised Holy Spirit at Pentecost. And so she was with them in the upper room praying for the Holy Spirit to come upon them that they may be filled with zeal and joy to spread the gospel to the ends of the earth. And then finally, in paragraph 966 of the Catechism, it reads, Finally, the Immaculate Virgin, preserved free from all stain of original sin, when the course of her earthly life was finished, was taken up body and soul into heavenly glory, a feast that we celebrated recently on the 15th of August, the Assumption of the Blessed Mother. And then Mary was exalted as well as queen over all things, that she might be more fully conformed to her son, the Lord of Lords and the conqueror of sin and death. And so these are paragraphs 964 to 966 of the Catechism, just a great piece of reflection for us for our prayer and meditation as we unite our wills to the will of God the Father and also the will of Mary. And then the Catechism continues. We'll look at paragraph 967 and 968. By her complete adherence to the Father's will, to the Father's Son's redemptive work, and to every prompting of the Holy Spirit, the Virgin Mary is the Church's model of faith and charity. She is the exemplar, the type of the Church. So she reminds us who the Church is as mother. In a holy singular way, Mary cooperated by her obedience, her faith, her hope, and burning charity in the Savior's work of restoring supernatural life to souls. For this reason, she is a mother to us in the order of grace. So we receive graces from the mother of God in her position in heaven at the right hand of Jesus and giving us the graces to carry on and to maneuver the obstacles of our earthly life. So she is a mother to us in the order of grace, and that's why it's such a beautiful prayer that the angel Gabriel prayed to Mary when he greeted her, and also the prayers of Elizabeth, her cousin, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. So we pray that Hail Mary every day. We pray it at the times of the Angelus. We pray it at the Holy Rosary as well, and it's just a great meditation for us to remember just how beautiful our mother is and how she bestows grace upon us from God. 
Mary's function as the mother of men in no way obscures or diminishes the unique mediation of Christ, but rather shows its power. And so I think that's from paragraph 970 of the Catechism, and it's an important point for us just to remember that Christ alone, his sacrifice, is sufficient for our salvation. And a lot of people, maybe that don't understand our devotion to Mary, think that we're giving her power that she doesn't actually have, but she is able to cooperate and to share in this mediation of Christ, which is a beautiful gift to us. And so Christ as Redeemer, his unique mediation is certainly sufficient, but Christ allows the saints and allows Mary to participate in that mediation, and we get to share in the fruits of that mediation that he allows for the saints and Mary for us. In paragraphs 971 and 972 as well, it addresses the idea of devotion to Mary. So in the Catechism, again, 971, it begins with the beautiful quote from Scripture, all generations will call me blessed, in part of the Magnificat that Mary prays. The Church's devotion to the Blessed Virgin is intrinsic to all Christian worship, and the Church rightly honors the Blessed Virgin with special devotion. For the most ancient times, the Blessed Virgin has been honored with the title of the Mother of God, to whose protection the faithful fly in all their dangers and needs. This very special devotion differs from the adoration which is given to the Incarnate Word and equally to the Father and the Holy Spirit and greatly fosters this adoration. And so we distinguish between these forms of honor that we give and that Christ alone is worthy of our worship, but we give an adoration and we give veneration to Mary, who is the Mother of God and who deserves our special devotion. And we pray, as this paragraph mentions in the Memorari Prayer, that we, we fly unto thee, O Virgin of Virgins. We fly unto the Mother of God, asking her intercession in our dangers and needs. And so it's important for us to remember as well that the liturgical feasts dedicated to the Mother of God and Marian prayer, such as the Rosary, is an epitome of the whole gospel. We express our devotion to the Virgin Mary in these prayers that I mentioned, such as the Memorari or the Rosary, which the Catechism explains, as I just said, as the epitome of the whole gospel, as we meditate on the life of Christ from the perspective of his mother, and we get to share in that emotion, those reflections, those experiences that the mother of God would have encountered as she journeyed with her son, Jesus Christ. And so in Mary, we contemplate what the church already is in her mystery on her own pilgrimage of faith and what she also will be in the homeland at the end of her journey. And so there, in the glory of the most holy and undivided Trinity, in the communion of all the saints, the church is awaited by the one she venerates as mother of her Lord and as her own mother. And so Mary sits in heaven with the blessed Trinity and all the saints and angels and waits for us to come home to her at the end of our earthly lives as well. So in this meantime, the mother of Jesus and the glory which she possesses in body and soul in heaven is the image and beginning of the church as it will be perfected in the world to come. So she shines forth on earth until the day of the Lord shall come, a sign of certain hope and comfort to the pilgrim people of God. Just beautiful words from our catechism just how important it is for us to foster devotion to her, to know how united she is with Christ. And again, we've heard of so many saints in our tradition as Catholics that have great reverence and honor for Our Lady and have fostered different devotions in different states of life. I choose three quotes to close the catechesis segment today. From First from St. Bonaventure, he wrote, Men do not fear a powerful, hostile army as the powers of hell fear the name and protection of Mary. It's a beautiful quote and how 
powerful she is against the forces of evil in our lives. And then secondly, from St. Francis Borgia, this is a very stunning quote. I have great doubts about the salvation of those who do not have a special devotion to Mary. Such a powerful quote for us to think about that St. Francis Borgia said, he has great doubts about the salvation of those who do not have a special devotion to Mary. And then finally, from St. John Paul II, from Mary we learn to love Christ, her Son, and the Son of God. So it is from Mary that we learn most how to love Jesus as our God. So we have so many quotes that we could use from saints, and certainly St. Maximilian Kolbe and St. Louis de Montfort, and also Blessed Teresa of Calcutta, now St. Teresa of Calcutta. All these wonderful people that fostered Marian devotion just show us the power And it's difficult to think of a saint who's been canonized who didn't have a great devotion to Our Lady. And so it's a great—they serve as great role models for us all to foster devotion to our Blessed Mother and to be more united to the will of Christ and to his own life on earth. And so, Ben, as we wrap up the catechesis today on Mary and devotion, do you have any final thoughts about your own devotion to Mary? I think the thing that helped me the most in my devotion to Mary— is reading the book True Devotion to Mary. It's by St. Louis de Montfort. It's just so rich in great Marian teachings. And I think he said one of the things that you just mentioned, it's difficult to find a saint who did not have a devotion to Mary. So that was a huge part of my journey with Mary was reading that book, just being in awe of like how amazing and awesome Mary is. Because I think one of the problems that people have a lot of times with Mary is they think that she's a distraction or they think that like you should go straight to Jesus because putting anything in the way is like a barrier. But if we look at the Magnificat, Mary says, my soul magnifies the Lord. My spirit rejoices in God, my savior. Like she is eternally generous. She will offer everything to Jesus, literally everything you give her and more perfectly. So one of the stories that de Montfort offers is a story of like a great king where if a peasant came up to a, a great king He might push him aside if he only brought him like a small apple, which we know that since Jesus is so gracious, he would not push us aside. But the concept is that if you went up to Mary, you went up to the queen of this this king and you offered her just apple, that's all you have. You just offered her this apple. She would take the apple, polish it up, offer it on like a golden tray, offer it to this king even more beautifully than you ever could have. And the king would surely not reject it because it's coming from his wife. You know, it's coming, well, in in this case, it's coming from his queen or his mother, Mary. So there's no way he would reject this gift. And it's given so much more beautifully than, than you could have ever given him because stained by sin, there's nothing that we can offer Christ that would be perfect. Even if we try to offer ourselves fully, we're still offering like a broken offering. But if we give it to the most pure spiritual vessel Mary. She will purify it for us and offer it up to Jesus in an even more perfect way. So I think that's one of the, like one of the only things I have to offer because I just love Mary. She's such a great example of our faith. Just quick suggestions. If you want to get to know Mary better and you haven't really been introduced to her, a great way to go about it. There's a book, 33 Days to Morning Glory. It's written by Father Michael Gately. That's right. It's like kind of baby steps into Mary and it takes some really hard teachings and simplifies them and it's just short readings every day. One tip, every once in a while 
you'll come across a day and be like, why does this sound good? Why is this a good thing? And then you read the next two days and it's like, wow, that's really awesome. So don't just like read a day and be like, wow, I'm just going to put the book down because this doesn't sound good. Like keep reading, keep sifting through all this knowledge because it's, it's just incredible. And then if you feel like you've gotten into Marian teachings more, I suggest True Devotion to Mary by St. Louis de Montfort and Total Consecration, which is St. Louis de Montfort's like formula for consecration to Mary, which is a beautiful consecration as well. Awesome. Thank you, Ben. And then we'll close with just your practical tips for our listeners on evangelization. So what do you recommend as good practices for people who are looking to evangelize more? I think the one of the most important things is to have a genuine relationship with Christ and to have a genuine relationship with his mother because you won't really find true joy and like lasting joy in your life unless you yourself have a genuine relationship with Christ. And people come to the faith because they see the joy that we have. If you are proclaiming the faith and they look at your life and they're like, why would I want that? Like he does not seem happy. Like why would they desire to be a part of our faith? You need to have that joy behind you, which comes from a genuine relationship with Christ. Another thing is establish like a really good accountability system. That was a huge thing for me was having people holding me accountable for my faith, just having solid friends who know the faith well, like Michael, uh, who will challenge you in your faith, who will invite you to, to learn more about your faith. Because that's another thing that when you start evangelizing, especially to Catholics who don't know a lot, they will have lots of questions and you should probably be able to answer them. And if you can't answer them, be okay saying, I don't know, and then going and figuring it out and coming back to them. And then I think my last tip is to be prudent uh, when you're evangelizing, because I think where a lot of people fail in evangelizing is they try to just shove the law of Christ down people's throats. The law of Christ is filled with his love, but people don't see that if you don't present it to them in the right way. So I think the first step is always showing people the love of Christ. And then once they get to know the love of Christ, they will get to know his law because his law is a manifestation of that love. Yeah. Well said. Thank you so much, Ben. Thank you for your interview today. And just a reminder to our listeners, so this is our seventh episode, Word of Mouth. And you can find all the Word of Mouth podcast episodes or any other podcast produced by the Archdiocese of St. Louis including that Catholic Gateway podcast, like I mentioned, make sure to just just subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Play or Stitcher or any uh, other podcast app. And there's several from the Archdiocese. You just search for the Archdiocese of St. Louis, and then you can rate us and share us with your friends as well. It's just a great way for us to evangelize. So I'm your host, again, Michael Horn. This is Ben Crapu, our seventh episode of Word of Mouth. Thank you so much for joining us again, and we'll see you next time.